recently I was just on and I did the entire claims process with an automated service as opposed to, you know, when I first got into the industry, that being entirely human-to-human contact. The real value and a lot of the insure tech that we embrace internally isn't necessarily to remove ourselves from the process, but to free us up to actually do the high ROI stuff, right? If you Hello, and welcome to this episode of Call Your Broker, where we help to educate business owners, public officials, organization leaders, and consumers on all things insurance and risk management. This is Matthew Strzok of Treadstone Risk Management, so let's get into it. In this episode, we're focusing on InsurTech and its effect on insurance brokers and risk managers in the insurance industry. Joining me via phone call from the New Jersey Turnpike is Giovanni Mancini. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, G? Yeah, thank you. Everything's smooth, no complaints, no traffic. That's good. That's always a good thing. Um, So this episode, we're going to focus more so on kind of the the dynamics of what's happening in our world as risk managers and brokers. And the the big uh, trend nowadays in the insurance world is this concept of insure tech. And so insure tech, for anyone who's not familiar with it, insure tech is – essentially taking the current technologies, whether it's cloud-based um, computing or kind of big data or some other elements of, you know, the, the big software packages that are now available or even down to, you know, the the increase in app technology that's available throughout the world now and applying it to insurance. And I think the the, the big factor here is that insurance has kind of been – it's been looked at and it also has been a, a clunky kind of old um, – you know, one of the oldest industries that's around and it's operated that way for a long time. But InsurTech is beginning yeah. to revolutionize the way that um, you know brokers, risk managers, but also insurance companies and all the other professionals in the industry are kind of executing – how they do business, and also just completely changing their business models in general. So um, would you say that you kind of concur with that assessment, G? Definitely. And it's in all various parts of the insurance, I guess, process is where you see it as well, not just from where we're going out and marketing and how that, that dynamic has changed over the years with some of the products that are available, but then just some of the uh, artificial intelligence that's now incorporated inside of insurance process like a, it could be an AI claims adjuster or something like that we see a lot more of that human element removed from some of the I guess flow through or easy uh, claim channeling process so I think recently I was just on and I, I did the entire claims process with an automated service as opposed to you know when I first got into the industry that being entirely human to human contact so just some parts of that and to be honest the process was not even an issue uh, I can imagine at some parts of it where they're elevated to a more complicated claim than the necessity for a human uh, comes back into the fold. But for the most part, I didn't really find it to be any bit of a difficulty. But that's just one of the many facets of, of insurance itself and where it's starting to incorporate itself. Yeah, and and that's a good point. So you touched on, you know, kind of the human element. And I know that both you and I, you know, we were uh, – you know, trial by fire almost, or, or the way that we were brought up in the industry, you know, a lot of our mentors came from a very old school, um, grassroots, uh, you know, kind of knock on doors and, and, you know, network and build relationships kind of perspective. And I don't think that's necessarily gone away, right? It's, 
it's but it's changing. So right. in terms of, like you said, just kind of the service aspect of things, being able to use uh, a technology to streamline, um, you know, to streamline a, a certain part of the process isn't necessarily completely eliminating humans from the process, but it's really kind of uh, empowering us to do what we're best suited for. And what we're best suited for is be able to deploy our knowledge and our experience um, in the insurance and risk management world. So uh, before we even get like too far down the road on that one, uh, what was your experience, G, in terms of the, the old school way of how you were brought up doing insurance, whether it be, you know, finding new clients or, you know, servicing the clients that you had on the books? Yeah, so I've always kind of believed in, uh, you know, that, that 10 mile radius from the last great story. I always talk about it. Um, you know, the last time you had either a, a successful relationship that was built out of, you know, almost scratch or uh, the last time you were able to, to tell a good story, I always looked around like a 10 mile radius where I could then take that story and tell to somebody in that neighboring area. They could they kind of feel a, a bit of connection to it because of the proximity. So that was kind of how I always had started. And whether it be a niche market like a the education space or municipal space or even just, uh, you know, the private sector, whether it be manufacturing or something like that, being able to take a good story somewhere else was what I found important. Um, and that's kind of what I got brought up on doing, you know, take, taking that and then trying to extrapolate it out over a, a wider a wider segment. The Outside of that, I found that the efficiency part always kind of, I was enamored with it, where I felt like I had a, a few qualities or strengths that I wanted to continuously be able to use. And I, you know, I bring it back to like the theory of comparative advantage. If there's something that you do better than everything else, you should outsource every other, every other of those skills until all of your time is just doing what you do best. And I, I find value in InsureTech there because I, I remember when I first got started, the how, uh, how arduous going through all the applications were constantly yep. uh, for a new risk and having to resave it over uh, year by year. Having a product that has all of the information pre-populated uh, for me to be able to go out and get a quote in real time is incredibly valuable to me because I feel like, and when I'm most efficient, I'm out there attempting to close new sales or create new relationships. And that part of InsureTech I've completely embraced for sure. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, that's uh, I, I had a, I had a similar experience coming up. You know, my my um, my mentor that I worked with, you know, more than anyone else. Yep. You know, his his uh, mode of just kind of building his own personal brand and and making connections was very much that you know one and one, you know, one plus one equals three. Uh, being very close, close proximity, right? So, uh, you know, um, just the idea of kind of just to draw attention to something that's more of like a, a tech type um, example of this is just think if, you know, you just had LinkedIn, but you could only connect or, or uh, correspond and, and interact with people that were your first or second um, you know, order connections. That's that's what the old world was, right? The new world is, yeah. and the the best phrase I heard was, you can knock on you know a hundred doors in one day if you if you just kind of commit yourself to it and and put your your boots on the ground. But nowadays, with right. social media, insuretech, you can knock on you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand doors in a day, and yeah. that just completely changes. The game it changes the volume, but it also changes how you have to 
kind of disseminate that information, disseminate that message, and then execute on actually doing the work. And so what we're doing right now in terms of podcasting, live casting, you know, putting out, uh, you know, content on social media or blogging, all of that, you know, is still relatively new, but it's completely changing how we're able to disseminate information and also establish ourselves as you know subject matter experts as opposed to the old school you know sit at the sit at the the corporate conference table and within you know a 60 minute meeting or a 30 minute meeting try to import you know impart all of that expertise and impress the people on the other side enough to the point where they're willing to you know sign on and take your advice as a professional so i think that's a a completely different dynamic um in terms of what part of the what part of the old school would you say you're still retaining in the way that you're going about, uh, you know, executing and, and doing your business? So I, I will always firmly believe in the concept that insurance is generally very difficult to comprehend for somebody that doesn't really deal with it every day. So I believe in that 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 personal relationship where you should have some regular interaction with the person that you have that client relationship with pretty regularly. I think that. Right. Being able to pull it off and, and continue to have some bit of frequency to that is important because it builds a familiarity and a, and a trust that I, I'm not sure I could get elsewhere. But I will say, transversely, some of the brands or people that I find myself valuing or trusting the opinion of tend to be online brands. And it's such a, a critical thing to consider and, I guess, embrace is you're able to build a brand where you can get your opinion or you can get your uh, your expertise out to a large audience where they can begin to trust you without ever having that one-on-one meeting. I always will firmly believe that being in front of somebody gives me my best chance to ultimately work for them. But I completely agree and embrace the idea that you could also build a social media presence where you can have people begin to trust your subject matter expertise before you even meet them. Yep. Uh, you know, where you don't have to necessarily knock on that door, they might pick up the phone and give you a call. So being able to do that, we have that somewhat regularly. We get calls from, you know, the old-fashioned uh, referral from, you know, one of your current clients. But some of them are just, hey, I watch the podcast. I have this issue going on in my life currently. Can we talk about it? Right. Um, and, you know, for me, I think that's huge. I think that's huge. Yeah. And, and the um, I, I think the, the rule of thumb here is it used to be that, you know, you had to go from zero to sale. Um, with a client, either face to face or you know the old adage from a sales perspective that you had to you know reach out to them you know ten times for most sale you know most sales in order to to close the business nowadays, a lot of people make seventy percent of the buying decision before they even talk to you in person, which is uh, it 's incredible uh, from the standpoint of one that 's a lot of faith on their part right that they're they 're taking what you 're putting out there to heart. And then uh, from the other standpoint, it gives you a huge competitive advantage, right? If you're embracing um, these new distribution channels, right? Um, I think, you know, you and I I also agree that we're big believers in giving away stuff for free, right? So at the end of the day, we're going to put out as much helpful information as we can out there and make it easily accessible before you're even a client, or even if you never become a client of ours, because even if it doesn't result in a sale or us doing business, one, we've done good by 
um, trying to put some good information out there in the ecosphere. And the second aspect of it is that's building brand, right? That's building recognition and the understanding that we're here as, you know, professionals that aren't just, you know, we're not just focused on the sale. We're focused on actually doing the job, which is a, a, a good point. So now, uh, yeah. You don't have to give me the company line on this one. I, I push you a lot on different types of technology sometimes that we bring into the company. And to your credit, uh, you have a lot of faith <laughs> when, when I bring some of these ideas yeah. to the table. But um, also in that, right, not every single solution is a good solution, right? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I always will be the first to chirp that I don't pretend to know things that I don't. And while I embrace the idea or the change of um, InsureTech and, and where it is, I'm not the first to that table uh, to talk about, you know, why it's great or what, what parts of it that I, I use regularly. I, I kind of follow that old Jack Welsh adage that, you know, when the pace of change on the outside is going faster than the pace of change in-house, you're likely going to find your end at some point. So mm. I recognize that and I'm always conscious of it. Uh, the parts that, you know, I find most valuable to me are, always going to be efficiency driven at the forefront. So I think that most of our clients, whether they consciously talk about it or they subconsciously act upon it, are always fishing for efficiency methods or ways to uh, increase their efficiency. So that's why we see a lot of these sales or a lot of our client relationships being able to be had over the phone or most of it to be done before there's even an in-person meeting because people recognize that you fill up your day constantly with meetings that aren't necessarily going to bear fruit in the future, that might not be the best way to spend your time, uh, especially when you're one of the revenue drivers in, in the company. So that part for me is uh, I'm consciously aware of it all the time. Uh, and then, you know, some of the things I use more often than not, I'm always guilty of, uh, you know, not doing the, I would say the, the most I can when it comes to completely uh, tech proofing my life as far as <laughs> getting every single thing into every one of the vendor partners that we use, a lot of times I'll fall back on, you know, just the normal way of how I got to this place. You know, I I always say that the repetition is where the value is. And you have to remember sometimes to just go back to what got you to where you are now, but you have to also be able to sprinkle in a little bit of the new stuff. It's no different than, you know, I was a baseball player in college than a, a pitcher as they get older, they start to lose a little bit on their fastball. You have to be able to incorporate something else into your repertoire in order to constantly be evolving uh, because the world's going to revolve around or evolve around you at the same or faster pace. So most conscious of that, but I, I do like some of the stuff that we've brought in recently, uh, particularly the, the automation of the applications is my favorite one. Mm. And you know, when we started to bring that one on, it's the one that I probably uh, am most excited about not having to constantly, you know, get that accord application out to the client or, fill out everything, you know, from last year's file, it's already pre-populated. We can pick and choose kind of what we want to send out to the client for updates. I find it to be incredibly valuable. Yeah. And so uh, just to keep people in, so the, that service provider is called Broker Buddha. Um, there's a couple of them out there that uh, that do that, and we kicked the tires on on them. Uh, and that was the one that we decided to go with because we felt like it, it fit our model. Um, I think the other dynamic is that there are so many of these tools out there that you know, right now we're looking at potentially changing over our, our phone system and how we operate. Um, our our strategic goal in the future is not really to invest in brick and mortar, but to be able to bring on uh, really good professionals, whether it's on the service side or on the sales side, 
and not be bound by yeah. having to, you know, find them office space or confine them to a cubicle. We want to, we really want to empower them to work however they need to in order to be productive. And in this day and age, that means being mobile, right? And so just, again, yeah. to, to point to the current platform, you know, you're coming back from a client meeting and, you know, we're able to put a piece of content together without necessarily having to be in the same location and having to drive that, you know, hour there and back uh, that's required of that. And I, I like your point that, you know, the the real value and a lot of the insure tech that we embrace internally isn't necessarily to remove ourselves from the process, but to free us up to actually do the high ROI stuff, right? So complete, right. completing a certificate of insurance, um, you know, filling out applications and things like that, that's all data entry. Um, and and it, from my perspective, that's all wasted energy and resources if you can find a, a cheaper, more efficient, effective way to do it. And so that's really what we've been focusing on. Um, now, in terms of the global scale, obviously, we're coming from the broker side. We're, we're also living sure. in an ecosystem that includes insure techs like the Lemonades of the world or the Hippo Insurances of the world that are really seeking to go direct to client. So in terms of those insure techs, like what's your impression of those? I mean, do you, do you feel like those are going to infringe great, on what we're doing? I tell, yeah, I tell a great story about that. There is a... I think it was probably about a couple of weeks ago, one of my closest friends growing up, he's a client of ours on the personal line side. Um, you know, I, I tell them all the time whenever they're asking for a quote, hey, just get a Geico or Allstate or a Lemonade or something. Go out and get a quote just so that, you know, you don't never feel like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, at any point pulling the sheep's wool over your eyes. Like, you know, I want you to know that I, I went out and I did the job and I know where to go to find that. So, right. you know, the house is a fairly nice house. It's, it's got a, an in-ground pool and all, and all that. He comes back to me and he goes, hey, I got a problem like the mortgage right now. I'm having an issue where, you know, I need to get the insurance number down a little bit to fit under what our monthly allowance uh, allowance would be essentially for our mortgage rate. And I said, you know, go ahead and get out. He came back. This guy comes like 1300 bucks. I don't understand. You know, I, I went to Lemonade. That was the same thing. And I, I said to him, I said, we could probably pull this off for about 850 bucks through one of our carriers. And he was, you know, a little bit flabbergasted, like, you know, I don't understand. It's, it's the same thing. I said, well, you have to understand a, you know, where you're going, what carriers like to write certain types of business and then how to go about getting it with that instance there, the two of them, one of them, the, uh, the, the wife had a much higher credit score. So by leading with him, uh, in that application that they filled out for lemonade, mm -hmm. it spit out a higher number because a lot of it is credit rated in that initial premium. I said, all I had to do is know that in my head, I knew that she had a better credit score than you did. And it was, it was an easy way for me to I just put her as the primary insured and spit out a, a, a significantly less expensive number. And I said that, that just that nuance is something that AI will probably not have. I mean, they could probably ask a question at some point, you know, which of you has the better credit rating, but it, that might, at that point, once that starts happening, they might start removing some of the credit rating away from that if that's all it takes to get a better rate. Right. But I know that in my head. So that's where some of our value um, is apparent immediately. Uh, but, you know, as far as the direct-to-consumer, it, it really comes down to, uh, and I say this, what it's worth to you because you're taking on the entirety of, of your insurance, and at least in the personal scope, by going to one of those. And to be completely honest, you probably don't exactly understand what you're purchasing or what's available uh, or what else you could be buying. You know, I, I go through this all the time and I say to people, it's probably one of the top five things I say to them. I said, listen, 
whatever we buy here, whether it comes to homeowners insurance or, or the like, flood insurance not included, all I go through the whole list of exclusions with them, and most of the time they have no idea. So it really comes down to will you pay the premium to kind of have that peace of mind, you know, whatever that premium may be. Right. Um, and I think that that's, that will always continue to be the case, at least on the personal line side. I think it's tougher to do that as far as like a lemonade type uh, on the commercial side. Maybe some of the small business will start to, to go that route. But I think in that middle market to large market, it'll almost never happen due to, due to the complexities of all the moving parts in a, in a large commercial insurance program. Right, right. And, and to that point, I think there's uh, – I, I just want to clear the air. And for lack of a better word, uh, you know, insurance – is looked at in a, by a lot of people as a commodity, and that's complete bull. Like it is not even close to correct. Yeah. Uh, you know, insurance Great. is a contract. The contract is extremely complex, and like you said, yeah. you really have to ask yourself, what am I looking to get out of it, and what am I getting out of what I'm actually purchasing? Um, to to kind of divert to, uh, you know, uh, if I think you've seen the movie Tommy Boy, right? Uh, when he's when right. he's in trying to sell brake pads, he's like, look. I could take a dump in a box and market guaranteed. That doesn't mean that you're getting a high quality product. Um, that's exactly the case. You know, that's exactly the case with insurance. And that's not to say that the direct writers, you know, don't have a good product or aren't fulfilling the value that a customer is looking for. It's that a lot of case, you know, in a lot of cases, the the client is just not um, thinking what they're looking for. They just look at price. Uh, and they don't think about the other, uh, you know, kind of components to the to the formula, so to speak. So that's a good point. Yeah. It kind of, it goes against a lot of the way that we consume right now. That direct, you know, kind of like the lemonade idea, uh, it being its own insurance company. It goes against a lot of how people consume products in this day and age. We always tend to go to aggregators, whether it be an Amazon or something like that. Mm-hmm. We go somewhere where you can find that same product from a million different vendors and find whatever price that we were looking for to buy it. When you take it on and you go on your own and you go direct to one of these companies, you've also taken the marketing process on your own as well. And not just the policy premium, but you also in your head have to assign a dollar amount, whatever that may be, to the marketing effort itself. So if you're not going to do that for yourself and you say, once I've made my move there, I'm just going to kind of run with it until I feel like it's too high. You know, there's been a lot of opportunity costs that you'll miss out on uh, by not having somebody that's doing that or doing that marketing for you annually. If, you know, for me, I know when one of my carriers. Has an appetite for that risk. Whereas if it's you on your own, you know, you're not going to know any of that information. And for the most part, you're just going to take the renewal as it is until it hits a pain point that you're not willing to accept any longer. And, you know, like I said, you always have to just assign a dollar amount for that marketing effort in your own life uh, and then find a, a happy median or equilibrium that you're comfortable with. Oh, yeah. And and to that point, like on the insurer side, how do you see this playing out in terms of how we interact with them? Like I, I know you see how I try and manipulate or move that process forward and how you have your vision of how to move that process oh, yeah. forward. But, I mean, have you seen the insurers really embrace insure tech or do you see some of them lagging behind from that standpoint? When I first got into the industry, you know, in, in, in 2010, there were a few carriers that still that were 
I would say I had pretty decent online rating platforms and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas there were a couple that still didn't have that at all right. in 2010, where, you know, you had to manually send in everything to them, uh, whether it be a, a fax or a PDF or whatever it was. Uh, and then once the platforms came about where you could fit risks inside to like a cookie cutter application or, or a platform in that small business world, I think that will always be there and it will only continue uh, to push towards that completely at being in tech, whereas, you know, there was almost no interaction outside of, uh, you know, a, a large claim or a complicated type of risk. But uh, I think it's, it becomes very difficult for an insurance company to take on the exposure of a middle market or a large market company relying solely on, you know, the artificial intelligence process. Yeah. Um, I think that would, I think it just becomes very difficult because there's a lot for it to have to understand. Um, and I, I just, I'm going through my normal process now in some of our larger accounts, uh, just trying to figure out how I would be able to manage this, you know, with a, a machine or a computer doing a large majority of the underwriting. I think it would be difficult. Right. Um, that's not to say though, that, uh, it would, it, the world can continue, uh, down a path where some of the process continues to become more and more streamlined. Um, and, and we talk about some of this, but it should be in my mind, I should be able to go on to some type of a rating platform, have, you know, an address typed in and they already have an idea of the valuation, the square footage that should be a readily accessible. And I think that probably through blockchain that'll happen over the time, right. over the times, but there should be a way for them to say, Hey, yeah, that's a building we would write immediately. And then, you know, it's subject to loss history, but you know, in your head that they should already be able to kind of spit out a quote just based off of, you know, the characteristics on, on Google Earth, essentially. You know, if you know the square footage and you kind of can understand what it's made of, right. you should be able to kind of be able to spit out in real time on some of those. And then for as a broker, you can quickly delineate between what markets are going to be actual players in this and what are not going to be just based off of those rates, essentially. Right. And and I think you're seeing a little bit of a move in that direction. You know, there are some carriers, I, I yeah. think uh, a lot of regionals, actually, um, I think actually Berkshire Hathaway was one of the bigger ones that might have a portal like that. But, um, you know, yeah. to to the point of, you know, that that um, complexity increasing exponentially the larger the entity is that's getting insured, um, that's a good reason why I think InsurTech's future – like they probably will commoditize a lot of maybe the lower third, right? Um, and and to, yeah. and to your point, like being able to put in your address and get a halfway decent homeowner's policy in a couple of clicks, I, I think there's some value. That's a, there's a lot of value to that, right? But there's also, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, there's also the dynamic where the much larger risks. Uh, there's a lot more field underwriting, meaning you know, face to face, kind of just looking and kicking the tires on the the buildings or the operations that are going to be insured. Uh, there's a lot more complexity in terms of you know, one manufacturer doesn't operate the same another manufacturer does, and there's a big reliance on a human factor there to be able to kind of deductively pivot and ask the questions that need to be asked in order to accurately understand what's happening and what needs to be covered. Um, and so we, right. you know, a lot of what we do in terms of um, adopting technology, we're always looking to keep ourselves involved in the mix. And we like those providers that are, you know, decreasing the friction of the, the transactional process or the marketing process, 
but they still allow us to add our value in that process. Um, you know, Broker Boot is yeah. a good Broker Boot is a good example of that. Um, another good example of that is Ask Kodiak and Bold Penguin that are you know offering brokers the ability to go to a central kind of appetite guide and find out which companies actually write those pieces of business. And I would say, as a, a smaller broker. Um, that's you know on on the come so to speak, but as a smaller broker that doesn't have like limitless human man hours to throw at this business at the moment, we're right. you know we we try and take our best shot in a lot of these cases, and it helps us to have a resource like that so that we don't have to you know ourselves go to five different websites to do the same rating. Uh, for the same account, and three or four of them immediately come back and say, "Well, that's not eligible because of you know some small little nuance to the the location or or you know the size of the account." Um, it gives you the opportunity to actually know you know the top three insurance companies that'll actually write a risk. So, you know, we're always going to err on the side of uh, you know picking up those technological advances that are going to help us do our job best and streamline really kind of the you know, the the, um, the wasteful parts of the process, which, you know, will then allow us to, to deploy our talents a little bit better right. for our clients. So um, as kind of a, as, as a step forward in this, where do you think you, you see it going? Like I've actually entertained um, through the, you know, part, we're both part of the CPCU Society. Um, you know, part of the yep. CPCU Society is a, a magazine called Insights that they distribute only to members. And um, I'm I'm kind of like kicking around the idea of writing uh, an article that's like you know the insurance brokerage of the 23rd century, like trying to put it two or three hundred years into the future. So, where do you think you see it going? Like, do you do you see um, this kind of being the the tip of the iceberg as far as how technology is going to affect how we do business? Uh, for sure. I, I can't imagine that within the next 10 years or so, it's not significantly easier to just get a quote for something whenever you really feel like it. I think that, you know, I think we could, I think we're at a point now where I could kind of walk up and down a, a busy street and be able to pull off quotes, you know, kind of out of a, out of the thin air. But what I kind of see happening is at some point there should be a bit of an aggregation on easy to write risks. Like let's say, you know, kind of what like a kayak.com does mm. uh, where you could look at a house and you could have everybody's insurance premium, their base premium, at least, you know, subject to whatever the person's credit fluctuations are. Mm-hmm. I think you should be able to see that base premium somewhere like that should exist. No different than, you know, having to uh, to go out and get like an air a flight or something like that. I think you should be able to to be able that that part of the world is still, in my opinion, a commodity as far as insurance where there is, you know, value is the pieces of it, you know, understanding what, you know, no two policies are the same thing. They're all just a large piece of paper with a bunch of promises on it, but some of them have very different promises on them. And I think that that's kind of where our niche will always end up being is that it's difficult to not only navigate going out and procuring insurance, but then procuring the right insurance. Uh, I think that is kind of where I always will see us fitting in for sure. But I, I can't imagine that that, doesn't happen in the near future where there's more of a uh, an aggregate ability for at least like that like that bottom third and that personal lines that we kind of always talk about. I see that for sure. Um, I'd like to see, and you know, I, I always talk about this as like a um, you know kind of like the the Lloyd's writers that like they were the first ones to really do it. 
certain risks that are difficult to insure or, you know, uh, I, I do see there being um, a, an area at some point where you can buy certain insurance against like whether it be a, a catastrophic peril or a peril that's difficult to get access to right now. Mm-hmm. I do find an a la carte at some point being available to where, you know, you buy your regular policy and you're like, hey, you know, if there's a, a portal that's available where you can buy, you know, uh, mold coverage if you just wanted straight standalone first party mold coverage. And it goes and is purchased from a much larger pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be through a, a lemonade concept where the people that are buying it are kind of insuring themselves and then buying catastrophic bonds over the top of it. You know, or there could be an insurance company there as well that's saying, hey, you know, you bought this, you can also buy, you know, whatever this portal is that I'm, I'm thinking up. When you buy that standalone or that regular business owner's policy, you can buy uh, whatever perils are specifically excluded in yours. It should eventually dovetail where, you know, you'll have options to buy those specific exclusions back either through the company that you just purchased it through or through various other companies that'll sell it as an a la carte type of thing. I, I eventually would dream up that if I, if I could myself. Right. And I also look at, um, I think pay as you go insurance, which is uh, analogous yeah. to what you were talking about too. Pay as you go insurance, I right. think is a dynamic that's also just beginning to be explored. Um, and so in right. a kind of 1984 type of perspective, um, I'm looking at it wondering, you know, what the pitfalls are. Like, obviously, the positives are, you know, you only pay for what you use and, and it's readily accessible. And like you said, you, you'd you have some kind of portal that you could go to to get insurance for the next, you know, 15 minutes if you're driving to the grocery store. Um, but the other right. concern I would have is in terms of the setting of prices and rates and whether or not that reacts to pay as you go. Um, and just the dynamic that that contributes right. to. So, you know, you can imagine um, right now, typically insurance rates are set uh, every year, right? So uh, an insurance company typically right. files their insurance rates for the year, and then they don't get another shot until yes. the next next 12-month period in most cases. Well, what if they were resetting rates every minute or every second? Now you have the possibility of having what we would consider a, ha- a hard market in insurance, um, which is you know a market of uh, very inelastic pricing where the prices go go up very right. dramatically um, inside of a matter of minutes, right? As opposed to right. you know you you being able to see the writing on the wall um, and then just extrapolate that to all right, you know I operate a manufacturing facility. My run cost, my operating cost is too expensive during this 15-minute period, so we're going to shut down, um, and then we'll, we'll ramp back up in the next 15-minute period when the insurance costs come back down or when the electricity costs come back down, that kind of thing. So that's, right. that's definitely a dynamic where I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how that kind of plays out. So, all right, I think we... Yeah, uh, that's, that changing of information is, is always important to also talk about. I, I bring up the progressive snapshot one. I had one. This is one of my favorite stories. Mm. I had a client who, you know, he kept saying, hey, Tim, you save me 30%. Let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. I said, all right, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll sign you up for it. Not a problem. He puts it in his car. He gets to the renewal, and it's up like 50% because <laughs> they said, listen, the information that we received from the snapshot has you you know, frequently driving over the speed limit and at odd hours at all times. So I tell people that, you know, be careful sometimes what you wish for because giving the data to somebody might not yield the results that you originally intended. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a good point. The, the, uh, 
the technology also kind of finds the truth, right? So there's certain exactly. things that you some of us, some of us don't want it out. There, there's certain things you can hide in an insurance application, and there's other things you most certainly cannot, especially if you're uh, amazing, right? If you're if you're tracking your Agreed. data, yeah. Um, all right, cool. So I, I think we kicked the tires pretty good on this one. Um, we'll, we'll definitely have to do Great. another one of these in the future because obviously it's changing every day, and you know we're implementing new stuff every day. In fact, there's one thing that came onto my radar where we were talking about you know policy differences or language differences. There's actually a provider out there that mm. uses uh, 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 machine learning to compare coverage forms, and it'll actually spit out a summary of the differences between two or three policy forms. If you're trying to evaluate, you know, which policy is the best from a coverage standpoint and it does it, you know, within a matter of seconds as opposed to having to have a human sit there and read through every single line by line um, of each coverage form right. or just be an expert. So, yeah, no, that, that'll that'll be interesting. We may be, be able to touch on that in the future. So, all right, I'll let you get back to it, Gio. Thank you for uh, calling in. Um, that's the end of this episode and uh, we got more coming at you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Call Your Broker. We hope you got something out of it. If you did, please, please, please hit the like button, subscribe, leave a comment or a review. If you have specific questions, you can always reach out to us directly at either treadstonerisk.com or lbanj.com. See you next time. And always, this is a reminder to call your broker. We'll